Tim, we are back with the bonus edition of Appetite for Construction. How you doing? I'm good. I was wondering if you were going to make it today. I mean, I know we've been having some technical glitches with uh, our platform over the last couple of weeks, but I, I felt when you didn't come on this morning that at some point there were going to be holes in the wall behind you. Yeah. You know, microphones ripped apart. I was worried that it was going to be a crazy view. There are no windows were in my office, so yeah, I take the computer and just chuck it through the wall. So you might have seen a giant hole in the in the drywall. So, but anyway, we're yeah, we're back on and uh, ready to roll. Um, we had a actual another topic we were going to discuss, but um, that got chucked. Too. Well, yeah, in light of recent events this week, there was a uh, trench collapse um, up in Buffalo Grove. Both of both of us lived in that town for quite some time. Yes, we did. It happened uh, the other the other day. A twenty seven year old, um, I guess he co owned the company, mm-hmm. and he didn't, um, according to OSHA, I guess, didn't really have the proper. Uh, from what they see initially, they didn't. He didn't have the proper uh, shoring. Is that right? Yeah. And uh, when you're in a trench, you have to brace the walls and all that stuff for cave-ins and stuff like that and he did they didn't have any of that stuff in there so and the irony is it's not uncommon for that to be the case sadly that's the case oh yeah for sure so uh you know i was kind of last night i was online and i was looking uh at the old social media and i saw our good buddy post something about uh, his experience when he was a young lad getting into the trades and he was uh, dealt with a trench collapse and a death and um, thought it'd be cool to bring him on and tell the story because it's it's quite quite a compelling story so let's let's do that Bring him on. Dave Yates, our good buddy. Dave, how you doing? I'm doing fine. How are you guys doing? Good. We're all ready for Christmas, right? We are. We're, yeah, we're... <laughs> I don't know. I My wife gets mad at me because I go like two days before to go shopping. So. <laughs> so, like she, I don't know. Maybe I've said this before, but she wanted me to buy her. The, it's called a paperclip necklace. And it's like gold plated and all that stuff. And I asked yeah. her, I said, well, I could actually make this for you. Would that be better? And she didn't really like that response. Uh, shocker, shocker. <laughs> so, so, but I guess the more I wait, the less time I have it to have them deliver it or to go find it. So I got to get on that. Less yeah. inventory. Yep. 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 Getting close there, JP. Yeah. So Dave, I wanted to bring you on because I, I, like I mentioned, I saw this post that you had, uh, yeah, I put up on social media, and um, you know, unfortunately, you had dealt with something that early on in your career, and you uh, pretty pretty uh, stark story that you told, and and the reaction of the people around you during that, and 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 yeah. kind of your viewpoint moving forward after that that fact. Well, to understand it appropriately, we'll have to turn back the hands of time to 1972. Okay, and. Forget cell phones, um, any kind of radio communication. Those things just simply did not exist. The only radio station 
that we had that you could tune into locally was our WSBA 910 AM band. And I'd been in the trades for a total of about one week. And we were, <laughs> oddly enough, I was assigned a helper since I really wasn't much more than a helper at that point myself. But at any rate, we were installing a sanitary sewer for a residence. And we were in an unprotected trench about eight feet deep. Um, we didn't know any better at the time, and our boss didn't tell us any different. He had dropped us off to work with the excavator, and he was piling up the dirt right next to the trench, which, as we now know, that's not a safe thing to do either. It should be at least two feet back from the edge. But at any rate, the lady at the house came out, and she said a call just went out over the WSBA radio asking for anybody in the vicinity to please come help that there's been a trench collapse. And there are three plumbers that are trapped, and it's not far from here. It's only a couple blocks away, and our boss had taken the truck when he left. But ironically, he just, at that exact moment, he pulled up. She told him what was going on. He yelled at us to grab our shovels, jump in the back of the pickup truck. Think back to old tank-type pickup trucks. This thing was primer red, was probably already 30 years old, three on the tree uh, stick shift which fortunately I knew how to drive. But at any rate, Ray, uh, that was our boss's name, goes tearing off for this job site. And as we careen around the corner in this development, we can clearly see you know, where these folks are trapped. And there's no one there. So we were first on the scene. That was kind of a shock to me because even though we were not near a, a major city, I knew that the, the local fire department, which was manned by volunteers, was not that far away. But at any rate... We hopped out of the truck, and the first thing I see is the the guy closest to the street is obviously dead. He's already turned purple, and there was some dried-up blood coming out of his mouth and out of his ears. And what killed him was when the trench collapsed where he was working, the dirt came in as a solid wall and never broke up. So I could see all the way down to the bottom of the ditch, he obviously had tried to escape because he was about a foot and a half off the bottom of the ditch. And within two feet of him was the second guy who was trapped up to his armpits. He lived because where the wall came in at that point, it crumbled. So he was trapped in, in dirt, but not a solid wall of dirt. And this ditch led right up to the picture window of the house and up pretty close to the house. There was a guy up there who was trapped up to his waist and he was struggling to free himself. So... Ray instructed us to go get him out first, and we could basically pull him out. So it didn't take long to extract him. Then we went back to the guy that was still breathing. Uh, he was conscious, obviously in a lot of pain, and we began to dig him out. And we were about down to where his waist was located when the first ambulance showed up, and that was followed quickly by fire personnel and the fire trucks, and then police showed up. Um, other spectators. And one of the things that really shocked me at the time was while we were trying to dig this guy out <clears throat> and his back was to the gentleman that was dead. And he kept asking me how his friend was doing. And I said, uh, we don't know yet. Uh, I didn't want to tell him the guy was dead, but I looked up at the picture window and it was jam packed full of people from the neighborhood who were standing there watching this whole scene mm. and taking pictures of us. And I know in the back of my mind, I was thinking, why in the hell aren't you out here helping us get this guy out of this hole? Right, right. Um, and at some point, uh, a guy in a backhoe showed up. 
and took it upon himself to drive right up to the edge of this ditch that we're in. And now we're down a little bit over four feet, really approaching five feet. And he's got this, <laughs> this heavy backhoe. The, the back tires were right on the edge of the ditch. And I yelled at him to back off. And he wouldn't listen to me. So I picked up a clump of dirt and hit him with it. And I said, get that thing the hell out of here. So there was a policeman there. And I turned to him and I said, get him away from us. You know, we're already on an unstable trench, and I don't want to collapse in on, on us. Yeah. <clears throat> so the policeman made him back off. Uh, the ambulance personnel were talking to us, and one of the things they said to me, one of the concerns that they had was that if this gentleman's circulation had been cut off for an extended period of time in his extremities, which in this case would be his legs, the blood can become toxic, and it's what they call compartment syndrome. And it can actually kill you. You know, you can get pulled out of an actual a collapse like that. And then if this toxic blood starts to circulate through your body, it can actually, you can get killed after you're extracted. So that was the one thing, one of the main things that the ambulance personnel were concerned about. Uh, we got this guy, we got this guy out of the trench. And I was thinking to myself, okay, our job's done because this other guy, we can't do anything about the fact that he's dead. And so we climbed up out of this ditch, and my boss looked at me, and he said, what are you doing? And I said, well, we're done. He said, you're not done. Get back in there and dig that other guy out. I said, but Ray, he's dead. Ray said, I don't care if he's dead. Get in there and dig him out. So I was kind of creeped out by that situation, but Terry, that was my helper's name. Terry and I went back in, and, and we dug this dead guy out, and we were about halfway to the point where we could pull him out, and... I heard these blood-curdling screams that just made the hair in the back of my neck stand up. And as it turned out, it was the dead gentleman's wife had just arrived on scene. And I, you know, I looked over in that direction, and the police were holding her back from coming over to the trench. I'll never forget that as long as I live. Mm -hmm. So, you know, consider it lesson learned. After the, all the excitement's over, we get back in the pickup truck. Ray takes us back to the job site where we'd been working. And says, you know, you got to get back in the trench and you know, get this sewer connected. And I said, I'm not getting back in another trench, Ray, without shoring. And it turned out he had old style shoring jacks and oak planks back at the shop. So he knew about trench safety, but never informed us about it. So we, we put them in. And the, for those that don't know what a trench jack is, it's basically a screw jack. It's got two flat portions with holes in it that you can drive nails into the planks. And then you unscrew it until it expands out against the planks. And then it's got two handles on this you know, part that you're turning that you can then tighten that as much as you can, which really is not that effective in reality. But uh, at any rate, that's what we used for our sewer ditches from that point forward. And later in later years, <clears throat> when I became a boss, um, I had long since known about hydraulic shoring, aluminum hydraulic shoring, which incidentally, that's what OSHA requires. And it's really super easy to use. You hook the hydraulic hose up to it while you're above grade. Um, you have a handle with a uh, almost like a, a curb key that has a hook on the bottom that you can hook the handle of the, the uh, aluminum shoring, lower it into the trench, and then pump it up with the hydraulic uh, up to 2,200 PSI, 
and the aluminum will then bend and fold uh, to conform to the shape of the trench. And if you feel like the, it's a little bit unstable between the shoring, you can always drop plywood in between the uh, hydraulic shoring, which we did from time to time. None of my guys were ever expected to go into, into an unprotected trench. In fact, they knew that if I caught them doing that, that I would fire them. Uh, I did not want anyone to die on my watch, and no one did during my course of ownership. One of the experiences that we had was in a, in a large factory, and we had to dig through the, the factory floor down almost uh, 10 feet to where the sewer line was because the bottom of the sewer line was rotted out, the cast iron was rotted out along the bottom. And we had to do it when they were closed. So it was Father's Day. And we had a crew of about six people. And we had one guy that absolutely hated shoring. And unfortunately for him, he was the skinniest member of the crew. So usually he's the guy that got to go in and work. And, you know, we always wore hard hats when we were down in those trenches. And poor Mike, he would hit his head on the, the hydraulic the hydraulic portions of the shoring and swear a blue streak that uh, would make a sailor blush. And then, we, of course, that would make us laugh, which made him even madder. But he kept saying, why the hell do you have to use this shoring? This really, you know, pisses me off. And then the next thing you know, he'd hit his head on, he'd hit his hard hat, which, you know, and then he'd let out a blue streak again. And when he came up out of the trench and we undid the hydraulic shoring and pulled it out, we no sooner pulled that shoring out than the trench collapsed right where he'd been working. And that was the last time he ever complained about using shoring. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's such a sobering experience to, to be exposed to what happened to that gentleman. He actually was, he was also the owner of that small business. Uh, so, you know, of course, that means the end of that business, the end of the income, you know, in addition to the grief of having someone in your family be deceased for an absolutely stupid, asinine reason that's inexcusable. You know, I'm, I'm just looking at a story on our website, and it says, you know, uh, U.S. Department of Labor, Labor. it's a story that they produced, and it said in 2022's first six months, 22 workers uh, died during trenching and excavation work. If you read on, it says uh, on June 28, 2022, two workers aged 20 and 39 died in uh, Texas. Yep. Uh, they were 20 feet deep, and trench shields, which could have saved their lives, were beside the excavation site. They weren't used. They were just... I know. I remember seeing the pictures and reading that story. So my question, I guess, is, you know, you, you, you tell a story from 50 years ago, seven, 1972. Right. And we're in 2022, and people are still dying in trenches. Is it is it a money thing? Is it a pain in the ass to set up in a truck. I mean, why are we still experiencing this money? What do you think it, it's money? That's, that's my belief that it's money that it, you know, it costs money to take the time and it, really it doesn't take that much money to take the time to set up shoring the trench boxes that you're talking about. You know, anything that's over 20 feet deep has to have trench boxes. We had one about four years ago that was 19 feet deep. So we did three things. We did shoring, up until it got to be about 16 feet deep. And from that point forward, we used trench boxes. We benched the ditch above where the trench boxes were. And then we uh, sloped it from the top of the, the last bench away from the ditch. 
made sure that, you know, no heavy equipment was anywhere near the ditch, that kind of stuff. But, you know, the other part of that is you have to have a means for getting in and a means for getting out. It has to be easy to get to. Uh, but when it comes to a collapse, it doesn't matter how easy the, the exit point is, you're not going to get there. As the collapse is almost instantaneous. <clears throat> I've seen probably a dozen different ditches collapse after we took shoring out or else they weren't deep enough for shoring. Uh, one that we did, it was uh, only about three and a half feet deep from the building to the street. And while, while we were sitting in the truck eating our lunch, after we'd completed the installation of the sewer, we were just simply waiting for the plumbing inspector to show up. It collapsed from the building all the way to the street all at once. You know, and it, it's so fast that there's no way to adequately react to it. Real quick, Tim, I guess people listening to this and, you know, they're, they're going to work on a trench project. Make sure that the proper safety precautions are in place or don't get in it. You, Dave, you told a quick story to me earlier yeah. that, you, you know, your employer asked and you almost lost your job because you refused to get into it. We were putting a sewer in for a bank and the actual lateral connection itself was not at the edge of the property. It was back underneath the street a couple feet. So the guy in the backhoe set up on the street, you know, directly in line with the trench and reached under and excavated back a, a stretch of about four, maybe five feet until we found the lateral. So now we've got a tunnel to deal with, a ditch that's not protected. And my boss said, all right, you go ahead down in there and make that connection. And I, I looked at him. I said, you must be out of your mind. I said, I'm not doing it. Yeah. And yeah. he said, well, maybe I should just fire you. You know what? I was early enough in my career that all my tools fit in one box. So I had one toolbox on the back of his pickup truck and name was Don. I said, Don, I said, I got a couple hand tools. I can put them in my toolbox and then I'll, I'll pull that off the truck and leave that. You know, if you want to fire me, that's fine, but I'm not going down that hole. Yeah. So he was furious. He went down and made the connection. You know, he's lucky that it didn't collapse because there would have been nothing we could do for him. You're laying, he's laying flat on his belly in a trench that's uh, at least eight, maybe nine feet deep. And something a lot of people don't understand, a a cubic yard of dirt weighs as much as a small car. You know, think about that's only three feet by three feet by three feet. Right, yeah. Dave, I'm curious. Did you ever have any further interactions with the two men that were saved? No. No, I was just uh, either 19 or 20 years old at that time and had just really got started in the in the trades. It's kind of interesting because, you know, looking back on that, I guess for a lot of people, maybe they would just simply quit at that point mm-hmm. and go find something that's a little safer to do. But I had just come off of working high steel. So plumbing, heating, air conditioning seemed a lot safer than that was. And I worked that until the guy I was working with fell. And ironically, his, his father and, and brothers were all plumbers. It, you know, there's danger in all the trades and you really, no one's going to look out for your safety, but you. The rare exception would be people like myself as employers who, having experienced something like I did in 1972, are going to do their best to make sure nothing like that can happen to their own employees. Because I can't imagine, I mean, if that, granted, this guy was a co-owner of the business that just died in in uh, Buffalo Grove, and the guy that I, the dead guy I dug out of the ditch was also the owner of that business, but I could never quite imagine what it would be like to have that kind of guilt to carry the rest of your life that, you know, somebody that was working for you died 
in a manner that could have easily been avoided. Mm-hmm. If you would have just spent a couple hundred bucks, I personally wanted to make money on every job, but if proper trench safety meant that we were going to lose money on a job, I'd gladly do that. It's just not worth it. It's sobering to hear Dave talk about it. Um, it is. You know, we've, we've read the stories, you know, OSHA sends us content every couple of months talking about different standards and on-site consultation programs that include all of this safety uh, precautions and yet unprotected trenches is still prevalent. And it's, it's kind of sad. Some of it, some of the responsibility falls on the workers themselves too, because even our employees would say to me, you know, this is, this is nonsense. Just let me get down there and it'll take me two minutes to get this job done. You know, why spend all this time setting up shoring and, and you know, I just said, yeah, I'd tell them the story I just told you guys and say, look, I don't want to have to call your wife up or go see her and tell your kids that you died because we didn't follow safety procedures. Uh, an hour of prep compared to like, you know, an instant of a, a wall caving in is, I think it's worth it. Lifetime of regret. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Dave, thanks for uh, sharing that story and uh, jumping on. Hey, you're welcome. It's good to see you guys. Good to be with you guys again. Yeah. Really good to see you. And oh, I was good to see him. I'm sorry, Lois couldn't jump in real quick. That uh, actually, the podcast we did with Lois had, had a lot of. Uh, listeners it was one of our it's one of our top five podcasts i think so tell lois i think she really she carried you dave on that one. <laughs> well she, she's a good partner in life and she was a good partner in business well thanks again we appreciate it and uh have a merry christmas and uh, have a very merry christmas yeah enjoy what time with your family thanks i hope everybody has a great christmas and happy new year and prosperous new year